Hey everybody, just before we get started tonight, I thought I'd let you know that Jason and I do talk about a fair number of spoilers for The Walking Dead TV show, of course, but as well as the comic this time. So if you are sensitive to that, I apologize. We didn't warn you during the recording, so that's why I thought I'd do this right now. So just be aware that there are spoilers for the comic and, of course, the TV show in this episode. Otherwise, enjoy. The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMZ TV show, The Walking Dead. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 60 for Monday, November 14th. 2011. 60 already. Can eh? you be- can you believe that? I believe it. 60 shows over about two years or so, or more than two years well, now? Probably more than two years now, probably like four or three. <laughs> it's not that many. 17 years we've been doing this. In that case, 60 is not that impressive. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, but almost uh, two years or something. Well, it's been two years since the show has been on the air. Like, this is the second year, right? So that's only... Uh, yeah. So that's one year. So we've been doing this, this podcast about two years. I don't know. We could look it up. But we're not going to. Maybe later if you want to find Two and a half it, years, let's just go with. Something like that. But 60 episodes, it's a it's a big deal. I thought 50 was a big deal, but 60 is 10 more than that. It's 10 more big deal. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> and uh, it's, it's November 14th, and we have lots of stuff to talk about. Of course, the episode that aired last night on AMC is called Chupacabra, and we're going to recap and discuss that. We've also got all kinds of great listener feedback, a little bit of Walking Dead news um, next week on The Walking Dead, and of course, our holy crap, did you see that moment? Mm-hmm. There's, there's some uh, good stuff there. <clears throat> so, Jason, why don't we get right into the news and uh, listener feedback? Okay, let's do that. Listener feedback. All right. So, first of all, before we do the listener feedback, but I just you just played the bumper. I, I should have waited to play that. Probably. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, sorry. We'll try. We'll try again. Are you all right now? I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> I think we've been. Have we been drinking? Uh, uh, no, I haven't. Okay. Good. So, Cherokee Rose was last week's episode. Here are the ratings for it: six point two nine million people tuned in to the nine p.m. broadcast. Hmm. That equates to a three point four rating in the eighteen to forty nine demographic, and that's a slight increase from the week before. It is. So, just like we saw in season one, the uh, ratings tended to trend up a little bit as the season went on, rather than down, like most shows do. Right. Well, people are uh, learning about this. Word of mouth, people are talking about it. Hey, did you catch that Walking Dead show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then they're tuning in, which is great. Yeah. Now, for some comparison, just in case anyone is interested, Hell on Wheels, which is AMC's new show and broadcasts <clears throat> on Sunday nights right after The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. had 4.36 million, or a 1.9 share in their second week. That's still nothing to sneeze at. No, that's the um, second overall show for the night. Yeah. So AMC had, the top, had two out of the top three, The Walking Dead and Hell on Wheels. If anyone is interested, the uh, rounding out the top three was Real Housewives of Atlanta. Oh. So there's an Atlanta connection there, but no zombie connection. (laughs) 
I don't know. Well, there could be. I've never, I've never seen. The <laughs> I've show. never seen it either. But I'm pretty sure it's touch and go on the zombie connection. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. I don't know. Uh, so AMC is doing pretty good on Sunday nights. Well, I'm sure that the the ratings for Hell on Wheels are related to the ratings for The Walking Dead because it's on immediately after, and they like to do that kind of thing to feed into their shows to to kind of boost the ratings. So no, for sure, they just get the left the bleed over, I guess, of people who just don't turn the TV off. Right. Works for them, I suppose. Yeah, I do that sometimes. Just like, ah, yeah, okay, what the hell. <laughs> um, so uh, AMC's Talking Dead show, which uh, we talked about last week and was moved to midnight, they still had roughly the same ratings uh, last this week as they did the week before when it was on at 11 p.m. Really? Yeah, which was about a million viewers and a 0.5 rating. I find that surprising. Me, me too. I thought, if, in, in fact, it's slightly up, like by a couple, couple like a hundred thousand or something like that. Hmm. So, um, yeah, they they did okay at midnight, same as they did at eleven, basically. So people are staying up to watch it. They are. They are. I guess they're finding something to listen to or to watch there now because I stayed up late last night to watch it too, mostly because Michael Rooker was on, right? And I kind of wanted to see him. He's cool. He's fun, and he has, of course, a connection to uh, the Walking Dead this week, which we'll get into later. Um, all I can really say about it is something was weird about their audio. It's really? sa- it was all echoey and it sounded like they were just like their uh, lapel mics didn't work and they were just recording the room audio, oh. which was weird. And it really bothered me because I don't know. I well, like you good think audio. that they would uh, fix that. I mean, it's a live show, right? Right. Is, is that true? It is a live show. Yeah. Okay. So it's a live show. So, you know, audio guys were scrambling around trying to find the one that fell asleep that didn't properly hook up the lapel mics. <laughs> right. Because it's midnight and he's tired. Yeah, maybe that's it. He just wants to go home. Or, you know, the shift changed at midnight or yeah, something. Yeah, or shift change or there's some kind of union rule saying that anything past midnight you have to pay him for an extra day and they didn't want to do that. So he's so he's like, uh, you don't want to pay me for an extra day? Fine. He didn't change the batteries on the lapel mic. Done. Yeah. Pay me, pay me next time, I bet you. Oh, yeah, they probably will <laughs> next time. So it sounded pretty bad. The episode itself was okay. It was uh, kind of fun to have to have uh, Michael Rooker there. Yeah. You know, and as usual, there's not a lot of, um, nothing sort of new was, was released, but it was interesting to see him talk a little bit about the character, mm-hmm. if, if nothing else. So, uh, all right. So that's it for the news. A quick look at the ratings. Now we're going to do this. Listener feedback. So we got a bunch of feedback on the last episode. And one thing I want to talk about that relates to this is a little bit about Lori's pregnancy from last week and how it relates to the Dr. Jenner secret that Rick knows. Right. That we as the audience do not know yet. We talked about it a bit last week, but I kind of feel like my I didn't really make a point. <laughs> which probably isn't really <laughs> you all that. You have to make a point. No, I don't have it? to, but I it's it's probably not all that uncommon for me not to make a point cuz you know, I'm just an idiot. We have but to circle back because you wanted to make a point. Circle... Do you have a point now? Well, <laughs> I at least have a clarification. <laughs> okay. Let's put it that way. All right. And essentially <clears throat> what I was trying to say is this. The whole concept that um Rick telling uh, uh sorry, Jenner telling Rick that Lori's pregnant, which I've believed from the beginning. Right. I feel like is thrown out the window now really? because yeah, why on the show dramatically would they have Lori figure it out herself that she's pregnant and not use that secret as a dramatic plot device uh, and, and between the two of them and and have it come to light because of that secret. Um, 
and I, I just feel like it's a weird decision on the part of the writing team and just the show producers to have that secret, if that's what it is, and that's, you know, everything is based on that, and not have it revealed in some sort of big way as the secret. Because she already knows she's pregnant now, yep. I feel like that secret has to be something else. So they didn't use that plot device. They didn't use the plot device. And and what we've ended up here is what I titled last week's podcast based on is a threes company scenario. That's right. Where the viewer knows something and each of the characters possibly know it, but they don't know they know it. Right. Right. And I don't see the point of doing that on a show like this anyways. Coupled with the fact that Kirkman after season one came out and said, you know, you're not going to have to wait a long time to find out what he told uh, what he told Rick and we're going to get to it really quickly. We're not going to draw it out for years or, or seasons. Um, it's been five weeks. And we're already five weeks in. So they're building up to it for sure. But why would they have that sort of Lori reveal on her own? That's what I don't understand. Right. I, you know what? You won me over. I agree with you that uh, if that was the secret, this is kind of a weird thing to do. Because all of a sudden this this big thing from season one that's supposed to carry over mystery into season two no longer has any mystery. It has no power. It has no uh, real effect on their lives. Like, I'm pregnant. Oh, uh, yeah, I knew that. I mean, Who it, cares? it kind of still, it, you're right, it has, it has no power anymore. It still has dramatic effect. I mean, it's still going to be a big deal when it comes out. But I don't see the point of making two characters on a show um, know this information independently of each other you know the two who it most relates to and having the audience know but not having it out there you know what i mean and glenn knows and glenn knows exactly so i just feel like that just can't be it anymore we got an email from travis uh, in texas and he sent this in last week but uh, i saved it for for this episode he he says now on to what jenner said to rick we have to go back to the beginning of episode ts19 Jenner tells our group that they can't come into the CDC because they are all infected. The group begs and pleads, and Jenner agrees to let them in if they take a blood test. Now, this is the key. It was almost a throwaway line, but Rick asks Jenner what the results of the test were, and Jenner responds, nothing we didn't know already. So, I haven't gone back to watch that in a while, but according to Travis in Texas, you know, well, nobody knows that she's pregnant then, so if it's nothing we don't know already... You know, that can't really be it. Well, then it's, is it just obvious to me or is it obvious to you as well? What? What What Jenner said to Rick then? Oh, yeah. I mean, the the other, you're talking about the other sort of prevailing theory on what the secret is. Yeah. And it's that everyone you're will infected, turn into a zombie. You're infected already. Exactly. So here's another clip I'm going to play from the opening monologue that Rick is delivering into the walkie-talkie from season two. The CDC was a dead end. I met a man there. A scientist. He told me something. He told me... It doesn't matter. What matters is, we're moving on. Atlanta's done. So I met a man there, a scientist. He told me, it doesn't matter what he told me. Now... User TDL Auburn on uh, on our website, TalkingToPodcast.com, submitted this comment. He said, why would Rick bring up what Jenner said with Morgan when a pregnancy has no relevance to him? Everybody being infected is of potentially much more importance to Morgan and Dwayne. That's true. And he's absolutely right. The pregnancy has no bearing, no effect on Morgan at all. Morgan doesn't care. Why would he care? Yeah. 
I think this sort of just further... Oh my God, a woman I never met is pregnant. Well, he might... I'm glad Rick told me that. He he might be concerned. He might think, boy, it's, it's an uncool time to be pregnant, but ultimately it doesn't affect him and what he's doing. So I don't think it's there's any sense to Rick saying anything on the walkie-talkie yep. if that's what the secret is. No, I agree. I th- I'm, uh, I'm with the prevailing theory now. You're infected already. <laughs> yeah, you're infected already or something that nobody's thought of. Yep. Pretty much, you know. Um, so anyways, that's basically bas- basically all of everything I wanted to say on that. But I just don't think the pregnancy is the secret anymore. It could be. Maybe the writers have something up their sleeve or Kirkman has something up his sleeve to really surprise us with that. Yep. Or maybe just the way they reveal it is going to be enough to uh, make us all go, holy crap, did you see that? I don't know. I don't know. Um, But there's still, you know, regardless of what it is, even if it is the pregnancy, I'm sure there's still lots of, uh, you know, drama to be had with this situation. So I'm sure. We will find out. Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Uh, When we get into next week on The Walking Dead, I think we'll talk about that a little bit more. Okay. Um, So finally, just before we move on, I have another clip here. From another listener in Texas, and he uh, he has some thoughts on the Jenner secret, and then he gets into uh, some people called preppers. And it's a bit long, but I'm going to play the whole thing because it's interesting to the end, I think. Oh, okay. Hey, guys, this is Joel from Houston, Texas. I want to apologize for the road noise and the slurred speech. I just got dental work done. I'm still half numb here. Um, I was listening to your episode about Cherokee Rose, and I wanted to make a couple of comments. First, uh, I disagree with you about what Jenner told Rick. I don't think it has anything to do with the pregnancy. I think it has everything to do with the apocalypse and what caused this, or that we're basically screwed and there is no cure or something like that. The second point I wanted to touch on was preppers. Um, We call ourselves preppers. We are prepared for an emergency. We are prepared for, uh, you know, the fall of modern society one way or the other, whether it's a natural disaster and a temporary, uh, you know, cessation of society as we know it or whether it's something like a financial collapse or something uh, along those lines. Um, however, you know, I, I recommend everyone out there get themselves a 72-hour kit or a bug bag, you know, something that uh, has like uh, food, water, clothing, toiletries in it. You can grab it if your neighborhood catches on fire and you have to evacuate immediately. Um, you can grab it from your car if you get stuck in some kind of traffic jam and you have to leave your car and walk off or something like that. Um, have a 30-day supply of food and water, at least a two-week supply of food and water in your house, that can be done on a $5 extra grocery budget a week. Just buy an extra gallon of water, some rice, you know, a little toilet paper, something like that, and you'll be good to go. So that is Joel from Texas with his, first of all, thoughts on the Jenner secret. He right. doesn't think it's a pregnancy either, and uh, we, uh, we, we have obviously changed our tune. Uh, but then he goes on to describe a preppers, which is, I didn't know that was the term for it. No, neither did I. Obviously, people out there uh, keep... Um, or are prepared for certain natural disasters or the breakdown of society. I knew about the 72-hour kit, and you should have a 72-hour kit just in case. Like, we've had that major power outage here in, uh, oh, my God, that was 2003. That was a while ago, wasn't it? It was a while ago, August. 2004 or something like that. 2003 or four. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, a 72-hour kit is a great idea just to have and to be able to take with you if your neighborhood catches on fire for some reason like it did in Weeds. Uh, there was a brush fire and the whole neighborhood caught on fire. The whole and, neighborhood burned? Yeah, and they had to leave. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then keeping food and water in uh, in your house. And keep up on your dental work. Because you know what happened in uh, Castaway? 
Mm. He didn't have his dental work done. He had a toothache when he got cast away. And then what is he going to do? He has to knock out his own tooth with a pair of skates. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Dental, when there's no more dentists, if you have a tooth problem, there's almost nothing worse. Yeah, you or know? at least keep a, player, a pair of pliers with you. Because you remember 72 hours, or 127 hours, that was it. Haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, so keep uh, keep a good uh, multi-tool with you. Yeah. In case you need to cut something off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Never know what that might be. Yeah. Um, anyways, it's interesting advice. I have to admit that I am woefully unprepared. Well, I like that I know the term now, because it gives me something to use in a search engine to find proper information. <laughs> if I type in prepper, I'm sure that there will be a lots of information for me. Feel free to send an email back to Joel in Texas and ask him for his advice. I'm sure he wouldn't mind that. That'd be great. Uh, all right. We got an email from Monica, also in Texas. I don't know what it is about Texas this week, about pregnancy tests and condom locations in the pharmacy. Oh. She says, I'm really enjoying the podcast. I forgive you for not knowing, but condoms are next to pregnancy tests. I guess we talked about They this. are, but they're in family planning, not in feminine hygiene. She puts smiley face, you aren't chicks. And just <laughs> as a side note, diapers are right across the aisle. Weird. And she sent us a picture as proof. Okay. So there you go. In Up, up here, they're in family planning and, uh, you know, not being a chick, I buy the condoms. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, my... But but they are next to each other. I don't know if you've yes, noticed. Yes, they are, but they're in, we have them in a section called family planning and right. not in feminine hygiene. Oh, right, of course. That's my problem. Uh, I'm sure they're together. I completely understand that. Yeah. But it's just the uh, the area in the pharmacy where they're located. Got it. Okay. Well, I'm glad that's cleared up. <laughs> I don't know if they're near the diapers. <laughs> not, in, not, in, uh, not Canada. They're yeah. not in, near the diapers in Canada. Here we've got a whole section for baby stuff that is separate. Right. I know because I have babies. That that one I don't know. <clears throat> uh, all right. Moving right along. A little bit more on Shane's story coming back from the FEMA, um, FEMA raid is what I'm going to call it. And Rick's gun. Robert from Arkansas sent in this call. Hey, this is Robert Nunley, Bentonville, Arkansas. Hey, I'm just wondering, uh, you know, Shane, when he came back from the little raid on the uh, FEMA trailer after he shot Otis, he uh, told everybody that uh, they were down to pistols when he was having a little conversation at the graveyard, or at the, uh, excuse me, at the Otis's grave. They uh, said that, uh, you know, Shane said that uh, his, uh, was down to his pistols, so was Otis. Otis uh, said he'd cover him. Do you think it's a little ironic to everybody that Shane came back with Rick's pipe on? I mean, isn't that just a little obvious? If Otis was covering him, Otis fell down and got ate by the zombies. How did uh, Shane get Rick's pistol back? So Sam from London also wrote in with this same theory. He says about the scene when Herschel asks them to give up their guns, surely after making such a big point of giving the gun to Otis in the first place, Rick getting his gun back would have been a more significant moment, especially seeing as Otis didn't even make it back. And wouldn't he wonder how Shane got it, considering Shane supposedly wasn't even with Otis when he died, because Otis was covering him from somewhere else, not to mention his personality change. So Otis has the gun. He tells Shane to run for the truck. I'll cover you. How did Shane get that gun back? You know, this. all of this assumes that they didn't go back for Otis, right? They, I, I just assumed that they were burying Otis, which means they went back for him, which means they got the gun. 
But, the, you know, they glossed over that. So there's, I guess there's two ways to look at this. Yes, you're absolutely right. If they left Otis there and he was supposed to be covering Shane while he got away, Shane, how did he get the gun? And, you know, Rick being a sheriff would probably find a hole in that story pretty quick. Right. Right. So there's there's problems there. Uh, the other, the way I looked at it when I first saw that they were having the funeral for Otis was that they went back for something. And it was far enough away that the zombies probably left or either went back to where they were milling about and they could get the remains of Otis as well as the gun. But it doesn't, it doesn't assume that they went back for him because we know that Shane brought the gun back. Shane took the gun. We oh, know he brought right, it back. That's right. So Shane had that weapon when he came back to the farm. Yet he told everyone Otis was covering me and I ran. So the only possible explanation is that at some point they switched guns or Shane got the, the python for some reason and Otis was using a different weapon. Yeah. Which is a plausible story. I mean, Shane could make anything up, right? <laughs> we switch guns. Hey, you want to trade? Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I want to use that one for a while. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> It's but it's plausible, right? You don't never know what could happen. I we switched guns because I had more ammo and he wanted to cover me. Exactly, right? You know, switch guns. I've got more guns. You run or more ammo. You run something like that. But the story he told, you're absolutely you're right. Uh, there's a big hole in it, and I think Rick would have caught that hole being a sheriff. You know, it may still come up. We don't, we don't really know, if, especially if Shane continues to sort of act weirder and weirder. Yeah, it uh, it may come back to bite him. You know? I have to remember something about uh, about that too. If we, or you know, I'm going to jump ahead to the re- review of this episode if I can. Uh, <laughs> Rick did not have that gun on his hip when they were in the forest. He had a shotgun. That's right. fine, but he did not have that gun on his hip. Uh, interesting. Well, probably because Herschel asked them to give up their weapons, yeah. except when they leave. So true. Why wouldn't he take it? Yeah. But I guess a shotgun he thought was more effective at that time. But he's Rick. He'd probably take both. I, I would take both. Why not Always be prepared? Always have a sidearm, just in case. Why not be prepared? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. It's interesting. We'll find out. Hopefully they don't just, well, maybe they'll just ignore it and we kind of have to just suspend our disbelief and assume that, you know, Shane thought up a plausible or maybe we'll, story. Or we'll never see that gun again. And the fact that Rick put it on the on the hood of the car was a prop error. No. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, if we never see it again, then we just have to assume that that was, a, you know, we'll just take that that gun and mentally replace it with something else and uh, write it out of continuity. I suppose that's possible. But we'll have to see after a couple of more seasons and find out if yeah. if we do never see if it again. If we ever see it, yeah. That, that My suspicion is that we'll never see it again. Weird. Okay. And that was just a prop error. We'll find out. David wrote in from, uh, well, I don't know. He didn't say, but he wanted to talk about the teabag zombie. (laughs) He said, okay, I need to step back a week and ask a few questions about the teabag zombie in the well. Why is it a teabag zombie? It's soaking up water. Is that what teabags do? I thought it was supposed to run water through a teabag so that you have flavoring. You're right. It's not, okay, he was flavoring the water. He was flavoring, yeah, zombie flavored well. Let's put it that way. (laughs) I like that, though. I think from now on, that zombie in the well is the teabag zombie. Okay. So uh, congratulations, David. You've coined a term. I don't know if you were the first one to hear it. lurkers, and (laughs) teabags. Exactly. (laughs) So David says, first of all, how did the zombie get in the well in the first place? There was no signs of a struggle at the well and no other dead bodies anywhere around. I'm thinking that the zombie fell in the well when he was alive and drowned. So that would go a long way to proving that everyone is already infected before they are dead. And it sure seemed to me that Maggie knew who the zombie was as she was standing around. Maybe teabag zombie 
had his picture on the refrigerator. So maybe Maggie knew who that was. Well, I think we need to go back to the refrigerator and look for something that could turn into teabag zombies. <laughs> we'll see. We can try. David goes on to say, second, and more importantly, why the hell did they need to hand pump uh, water from a well in the first place? After Shane took his marathon-long hot shower in the previous episode, doesn't it seem that there is plenty of running water around the house? Isn't the windmill pumping water for Herschel's group? And don't you think there may be a house spigot somewhere on the, a hose spigot somewhere on the side of the farmhouse that they could fill their water jugs with? Or is Herschel just trying to make them more uncomfortable so they will get the hell off his property? All right. Uh, well, I have an opinion on that, but the first thing I'm going to talk about is the teabag zombie. Okay. I mean, there was obviously when Dale went over and looked at the well, there was a broken board, which is how whoever fell in there, whether it be a zombie or a person, fell in. It could have been just a wandering zombie wandering around the middle of the field, walked onto the uh, the the lid over the well, it broke, and he fell in. That's true. Right? Or it could have been a person that fell in. Uh, and I guess if it was somebody that is on the fridge, pictures on the fridge, and they went looking for him, they never found him. It's like, well, I guess he just wandered off. Uh, they didn't know he fell down the well. Uh, so now I want to address the well. They, they have, there's five wells on the property. I guess the house well has uh, is hooked up to the windmill or has some kind of automated pumping system for the hot water and uh, for the head shaving. Uh, this right. one is for the cattle, and I guess they feel that you should work for that one or they shut off the pump for this to save the energy for the one for the house yeah maybe maybe they, they all have uh you know uh, an electric pump of some kind or an automated pump and then a hand pump for backup and this one they shut off the electricity for whatever reason and they just need to hand pump it was definitely a hand pump and there was definitely no electric pump that we could see right well it might be underground right yeah of course well i don't know um it's surprising to me that they didn't already know that that zombie was in there. So maybe this is a little used well. Maybe it's the oldest well on the property and it's never been hooked up to the electricity. Maybe. You know, maybe it's a leftover or something There's like that. There's still cattle, so they need to be tending that cattle. And if this was the well for the cattle, they probably would be using it. I, I just, you know, I guess in the, when I think about it, in my mind, I assumed that the cattle was getting zombie water. Well, if you're going to use the zombie water for something, it might as well be the cows. Of course, yeah. you wouldn't want to eat the cows then. Or, or milk the cows. No, they, they, it's like uh, putting manure on uh, a garden. You don't, you're not eating manure. They turn the manure that. into something you can eat. Right. Cows turn zombie water into fresh milk? Yeah, they, you know, they process it. Maybe they have zombie livers now, but the <laughs> rest of the cow is just fine. As long as you don't eat the zombie liver, you're fine. Okay, I can buy that, I think. <laughs> zombie water goes in, regular milk comes out. That's right. Zombie water goes in, beef comes out. <laughs> beef comes out okay finally this week in listener feedback um regarding that scene that we sort of thought was a throwaway scene in the episode before where dale walks away from the rv and just kind of looks around yep so our friend dave also known as bishop wrote on our website he said okay you guys are driving me mental the reason why Dale wandered off in the previous episode to go and, was to go and fetch Andrea's gun, which he hid so she couldn't find it. He gave it back to her at the end of the episode. Gah! Okay. So that's what Dave thinks. To be quite honest, I didn't get that at all. No, I didn't get that. Whether, you know, did it actually depict that or was that something that uh, Dave thought was obvious? It's a good theory. I, I do think maybe he hid it. I don't see why he'd hide it like somewhere away like that. I guess because she might search through the RV for it, but it's 
I suppose it's a plausible theory. It didn't come to me while I was watching it or thinking about it, though. No. I mean, I'm just wondering whether or not it is a theory or whether it was actually depicted in the sh- in the show, and we just missed it. Well, no. I mean, I've watched that thing three times. I Specifically for this, though? Well... Did you, I, did you watch exactly why he was going, or did you mentally just kind of go, he's off for a walk? No. I, I mean, I the first time I watched it, it did occur to me that this is a strange scene. Nothing seems to happen. And so, I mean, I did kind of try to think about it this, on, on subsequent watches, but this, okay. this theory didn't come to me. I'm not sure. Anyways, Beth from Arkansas called in with a slightly different take. This is Beth from Heber Springs, Arkansas. Um, I was calling to comment on Cherokee Rose, uh, where you're talking about the scene where Dale gets leaves Carol on the RV to kind of walk on the road a little bit. Um, I think he hears a noise. If you listen really closely... Um, there's a spot where he stops and kind of looks around, and he can hear something. Um, I've watched that episode twice, and that same spot, I always hear the same thing. So uh, you might check it out and listen a little closer, because I think he hears something in the woods. So Beth thinks he hears something in the woods, and he's just going to investigate it. Hmm. Um, again, I didn't particularly hear anything, but I haven't gone back sort of listening since this, since Beth called either. So I think they're both good theories. And I'm not sure which way to go on it. For me, the scene still feels a little bit strange and slightly meaningless. Right. But then why would it be meaningless? I don't know. So uh, unless you have another theory. Well, the only theory I have is the one I I think I I mentioned this on the show was that uh, he went and did something and that something got uh, left on the cutting room floor Mm -hmm. and they forgot to cut out this part. You're all about the errors. Um, Prop error, editing error. Sometimes it happens. It does, but not that frequently, does it? I don't know. Okay. Well, I you could be right too. Well, it, either they explain it or you know, just leave it and if they don't explain it, I would think that uh, it's an error of some kind. Well, it's going to be for now one of the great mysteries of the Walking Dead TV show. Yep. And, what was Dale doing? And if we ever get Kirkman or anybody on the show, that'll be our first question. Uh, yeah, there you go. And that is going to wrap up uh, listener feedback segment. If you have any thoughts, comments, questions, or anything like that, you can send them in to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or even better, call our toll-free voicemail line at 1-866-483-ZOMB. That is the Zomb line or the zombie line. I haven't decided. Still, it's been a year. Yeah, can't decide. Can't decide. <laughs> I have no idea what it is. Okay, now it's time for this. Chupacabra! We are going to do our recap of the most recent episode titled Chupacabra. Are you ready, Jason? I am so ready. Excellent. It should be fresh in your mind. You just rewatched it like two hours ago. Yeah. It's exciting. It is so fresh. Okay, so we open with a scene on a crowded highway full of living people. Shane is there and trying to get a signal on his car radio. He's also there with Lori and Carl, and Carol, Sophia, and Ed, Ed are in a car nearby. Ed, of course, is Carol's late, now late husband. Mm-hmm. So apparently, this is a flashback. Uh, yeah, I would think so. You would have to, you would have to assume that. Although, as it opened, I was like, "What the hell? Yeah, what, what's going on here?" Right, because we've seen a big traffic jam before, and it is post zombie apocalypse when everyone is dead. I thought we were gonna. When I first saw Shane, I thought we were finally gonna find out what happened to the jeep. <laughs> I was all like, "Yeah, finally the G." Oh, that's Ed's another. There. <laughs> that's another one of the big mysteries of the Walking Dead TV show. What happened to the Jeep? That's right. So Ed um, 
Shane, sorry, Lori asks if Carl can have some food from Carol, and she says sure, but then Ed berates her for, for offering it. So he's, he's a bit of a dick. He is. As we know. Now, at this point, Shane and Lori leave Carl with Carol, and they go up ahead to see if they can find a way through or see what's going on. Um, now, when they were leaving, I think maybe it's just me, but I kind of thought they were sneaking off to go do it. I thought maybe that that was uh, what was going to happen. There. It doesn't. We're going to go see what's going on in the woods. Yes, it doesn't <laughs> seem like an opportune time for that. I'm but... going to go look into her pants and see if anything, <laughs> if I can figure out what's going on. <laughs> there might be a clue down there. I don't know. <laughs> you got to check. That wasn't the case, though. Uh, so they walk away a little bit, get into the into the forest, and a bunch of military helicopters pass overhead, and we see them bombing Atlanta. Yeah, blowing up the city. Now, did this? Like I thought to myself, holy crap, this is unbelievable. It is. Did you were you surprised to see them like just carpet bombing the city? I was surprised for a number of reasons. Give me some of them. Well, one reason was that I was surprised to see it because like wow, uh, they really did bomb that city. Second, uh, the, and then what really surprised me after that was I didn't see any signs of bombing or fire when Rick was in the city. Well, it's a pretty big city, so we might not have got there. But based on the size of the explosions and the extent of them, it looks like they really leveled that place. Yeah, it, the what they showed was Atlanta as a whole being bombed. Absolutely. And like we would have had buildings collapsing and crumbling, and it didn't seem to be that way when Rick was walking through. Not necessarily. I mean, if they had, uh, you know, there's different kinds of ordinance. There's, uh, you know, if you want to knock down a building, you shoot one kind of thing. If you want to kill a bunch of people, you use fire. So, they, it, you know, it's not necessarily a bomb that would be, you know, high explosive. It would be an incendiary. Right. Incendiary? Uh, to cause a lot of fire, you just want to burn people and not necessarily knock down the building. So I, that makes sense to me. That's true. It just, they looked like big explosions to me. Lots of fire. Lots of fire. That's true. I, okay. But in any case, I was surprised to see this because this is something completely new oh, for yeah. this storyline. Comic, TV show, anything. Military fighting back. The military response. We haven't seen that anywhere so far. So it was really bizarre. More helicopters. A lot more helicopters. Yeah. Seems to be a running theme here. Now, just before we go to credits, Lori is obviously distressed because she figures Rick is in there somewhere and they've just blown up the whole city. She hugs Shane and we go to the credits. Mm. Holy crap. When we come back, uh, Lori's waking up, the and it's the morning after her pregnancy test, I guess. She comes out of the tent, and Carol suggests that they make dinner for Herschel and his family. Well, that's nice. Isn't that nice to thank them for all they've done for them? She's so nice. She always wants to give people food. Carol? Yeah. <laughs> she does. She wants, to, she wants to help everyone. Yeah. So Rick and everybody are then uh, planning the to... Continue the search for Sophia, the never-ending search for Sophia. Yep. Jimmy comes up and asks to help, and he says Herschel said it was okay, so they agree to let him help. Yeah, sure, you know, why not? It's good. At this point, Daryl decides to borrow a horse and go up to a nearby ridge to get a better view of the area. Yep. Interesting idea. Uh, we cut to Glenn sitting on the porch playing a guitar, and Maggie comes out. Glenn suggests they have sex again because they have 11 free condoms. <laughs> Why not? Suddenly he ca- he was all like smooth and confident. It was weird. I don't know. I mean, a little he, bit. He's been working on that opening line for like four hours. <laughs> he probably has. You know, we have 11 condoms. Yeah, we got to do something with them. Yeah. Maggie shoots him down though and says that would be 11 <laughs> minutes of my yeah. life wasted. You see 11 uh, condoms. I see 11 <laughs> minutes. I'll never get back. <laughs> That's kind of sad. That's harsh. That's a harsh thing to say. But you know what? 
shit. Yeah, it's harsh, but I don't know. What did he expect? He's like, hey, baby, I got 11 condoms here. Well, she had sex with him. Maybe he, uh, he, he liked her, and uh, he, you know, he wanted to continue having a relationship with her. Well, obviously. I like this idea of having sex with you. I'm rather fond of you as a person. <laughs> I would like to continue a relationship that was sexual in nature. She's like, yeah, that was a mistake and really short, and he didn't do much for me. No. That's harsh. That's it's harsh. Well, I suppose it is, but we find out later that I think they... Uh, Come to terms and decide to give it another try. Yeah. Before we get to that, though, we cut to Rick and Shane walking in the forest looking for Sophia. They're talking about their conquests in high school, if I can use the term conquests, to refer to girls they had sex with. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Apparently Shane was a serious ladies' man. Rick, not so much. Apparently not. That's how it went. Um, they end up though talking about how these people are all gone and it's like they're old people telling stories about friends who are all dead. Mm -hmm. I thought it was an interesting parallel there. They were kind of having a good time joking about, you know, the 30 year old gym teacher that Shane was doing it with. And then suddenly they (laughs) realized, what was his name? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) One of the, one of the teachers, one of the male teachers. Uh, it was funny, but it ended up not being so funny just because they realized, well, these people are all dead. Probably, probably, you know? So who knows? Um, They do then continue to talk about the actual search for Sophia, and Shane makes his feelings known. I love her now, Sophia. She only matters to the degree in which she don't drag the rest of us down. (laughs) Thought she wanted honest. We just moved on, man. We'd be halfway to Fort Benning right now. Carl wouldn't have gotten shot. And you said so yourself. But we're out here, we're risking lives. Your own son almost died, man. Otis, he paid that bill. What the hell are we still doing this for? I had her in my hands, Shane. She looked in my eyes and trusted me. I I failed her. If I hadn't, she wouldn't be out here. I think she's still alive, and I'm not going to write her off. So Shane is really being the, you know, Mr. Decision Maker. We got to do what we got to do to survive. Yep. You know, she's been gone for four days or whatever. And even before the zombie apocalypse, after 72 hours, he said, you're usually looking for a body. Yep. But Rick can't let it go. Nope. He just can't let it go. <laughs> so we go to Daryl, who's in the forest. He kills a squirrel against a tree. Well, of course he does. Did a nice job. See with a squirrel, the squirrel, shoot a squirrel. That's the rule. <laughs> That's the rule? That's his rule. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Put, see a squirrel, shoot a squirrel, put it on a string. Eat a squirrel. <laughs> we should write a song about that. Why not? <laughs> Need some music. Anybody music, put some music to those lyrics. Very good. He then finds Sophia's doll in the in the water, in the creek. He does. So there's a sign of her, another sign that he's found of her, but not Sophia. She's still out there somewhere. He brought this one back, too. He didn't bring back the other one. So uh, since other people saw this, he's not making it up. I was thinking that he was hallucinating this. No, he did bring this back. He saw it. And I forgot to mention before, too, he must have told them about the farmhouse because Rick and everybody references when they're planning the trip earlier in the right. scene before. Um, although we didn't see him do that. And one of the things some people complained about is people aren't talking. Why would he not go back and tell the group this? But I guess we have to assume that he does and we don't see every conversation they have. Well, yeah, we don't, we, we never see the, the campfire, everybody sitting around the campfire chit-chatting about the zombies that they killed that day. Right. That's true. So So Daryl continues searching on his horse and a snake spooks it. He gets bucked off and slides down a rocky cliff into the water and he ends up with one of his arrows poking right through his side ouchie ouchie that did not look fun nope he was in rough shape we go to commercial and when we come back 
Daryl was still, we're still with him. He crawls out of the water and looks up to the uh, how high he has to climb to get out of this gully or valley. Mm-hmm. And uh, it looks pretty much impossible. Especially looks like a cliff. It looks like a cliff. But he climbed it before, right? Because he got off the horse, he went down, he picked up the doll, and he went back to the horse. Without an arrow sticking through your body, yeah, but it's a little easier. Yeah, you think he would be able to find an easier way rather than this big dirt cliff. Now, yeah, I guess so, and he kind of does later, but it's still not that hard when he's that No, he that climbed the same injured. spot. Did he? When he? Well, yeah, he when he climbed up with the... Oh, well, get there. <laughs> All right. He climbed up the same way twice. Yeah, he tries a couple times. So uh, before that, though, he looks over and he hears something rush, rustling in the bush, but we don't see what it is. No, we don't. It was another strange scene. Squirrels. I guess so. He's he's fine tuned to see where those squirrels are. Yeah, squirrel so boat. the first thing he does is go and searching searches for his crossbow <clears throat> in the water, and he finds it. Once he has everything, he cuts off his sleeves. You, uh, um, Daryl, ladies out there, they Darryl, like Daryl ladies. Yeah, there's the uh, Dixon Vixens right. and the. Oh, I forget the other one. The Daryl Carols? <laughs> no, it's the Boondock Bettys. Oh, <laughs> they love um, Daryl. Gosh, damn, I can't remember anything right now. What's his name? Uh, Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus. There you go. They love the Norman Reedus. So he cuts off his sleeves, wraps them around his wound, which to me doesn't look like it would really do anything. Actually, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. So what he was doing was uh, when you have an arrow through there like that or you have something stuck in a wound, yeah. pulling it out just means it's going to bleed. Right. right. So it's, it's staunching the blood that it's in there. Mm-hmm. But when you start climbing a cliff or doing whatever that thing is not in like a touching any bone it's not in very solidly so it's going to move about and that hurts and, and then it hurts like a son of a bitch and it'll make the wound bigger and it'll bleed so what he did was he tied it around the arrow around the bolt and cinched it tight so that the bolt would not move he stabilized it so that uh, he could actually move without the wound becoming worse and he would leave it in so that he wouldn't bleed to death so, so he was thinking he knew this he was, was the doing. right thing to do in this situation at least for now. In my opinion. Okay. So he starts climbing the embankment, but falls back down. Yeah. A long way down with uh, an arrow in, in his uh, side uh, there, which was seemed very ouchy to me. I would think that that thing probably would have ripped out. You know? He fell down a long way. I mean, any... Yeah. Get he made caught the hole bigger. Oh, God. Big hole now. That guy can take, take a beating. But we cut to Glenn and Lori. He confronts her about being pregnant just as Rick and Shane are walking up. So that conversation ends quickly. Rick then tells Lori about the conversation he had with Shane in the forest. And uh, it sounded like Shane has Rick doubting himself. Like, what am I doing? Why are we still looking for this girl when she's probably dead and we've got other things to worry about? Rick is feeling conflicted here, I think. Yep. So, sucks to be him. He's always in conflict. Well, he always is. No, that's true. He always is, but... Usually it's really, really internal. At least I feel like he doesn't always have someone outside going, no, you're being an idiot. Right. You know, they kind of trust him and he second guesses himself. But at that point, they're interrupt, interrupted by Beth, who has her first line of the series. Awesome. Which is exciting. That's Jimmy's girlfriend and Herschel's daughter. Is, is Beth Herschel's daughter? Jimmy's girlfriend? Yeah. <clears throat> How old is she? Well, I don't know. Jimmy's only 17. We find out at one point, but Beth is young, and it's Jimmy's girlfriend. I think. I think Beth is a daughter. Beth is a daughter, and Jimmy, because Herschel said Jimmy is not my kin, but I'm responsible for him. I think she's twelve or something. No. Yeah. No, no, no. Because later in this episode, Maggie and Herschel are talking, and he says, "I already have to keep my eye on Jimmy and Beth." So unless Jimmy's 
got some weird ideas. I think she's older than 12. But anyways, uh, okay. she, she has her first line, and she tells Rick that Herschel wants to see him. Rick goes to see Herschel, and Rick finds out that nobody asked him about Daryl taking the horse or Jimmy joining the search, and they kind of agree that their communication skills between the two groups are not that good. Yeah, no, they aren't. <clears throat> we go back to Daryl, who is half unconscious, and he hallucinates Merle. So we get Michael Rooker again. There he is on the episode. Merle is back, at least in hallucination form. Merle berates Daryl for being weak and tells him, ain't nobody going to care about you except me, little brother. <laughs> That's great. Do you want to try delivering that line? No. <laughs> ain't nobody going to care about you except me, little brother. There you go. It was I made a typo in the word little. That's why I got confused. Right. So, yeah, when after sort of this conversation with Merle... Daryl uh, wakes up, and Merle's actually a zombie who's gnawing on his foot. Or at least tugging on it. No, Hopefully he didn't... Uh... He, I think he had his mouth down biting the foot. I think... Uh... And we have a caller. Um, I think that, you know... I don't think Daryl was bit, but that, of course, was my first thought. Do you think he was bit I, by I that thought zombie? He was, uh, I thought he was bit by that zombie. Because usually when, some, when a zombie's gnawing on you... You uh, have, you know, they draw blood and then you die. I think the point here, though, is he was he was chewing on his foot and he probably had big, thick boots on. Maybe steel-toed. Steel I think he had steel-toed boots. I think it, uh, that zombie didn't actually uh, break skin. So this, so Daryl's extremely lucky here. Yeah, I would and think this so. Was Unconscious and the guy goes, the zombie goes for his foot. His steel-toed boot. This is probably the dumbest zombie in the in the history of zombies. The, the guy's dumb. face and arms are completely exposed, but he bites the steel toe boot. Ah, maybe, you know, we, they have, zombies have residual uh, life memories. Right. Maybe this was a foot guy, right? <laughs> He's always wanted to eat somebody's foot, and now he has the chance. He's like, oh, guy, just unconscious here. Here's my chance. I'm going a... for the foot. <laughs> Go. This is a foot guy. Why not, eh? Your phone keeps ringing. My phone keeps ringing. Can, can you turn the ringer off? I don't know how. Anyhow, um, so another zombie comes up. Daryl at this point has woken up, and Daryl just in time pulls the arrow out of his side, loads the crossbow, and shoots the zombie in the face. Okay, he pulls it out the hard way. He pulled it out backwards with the like he had the all the uh, the fletching came through the wound. Like, he pulled it out the hard... He could have pulled it out backwards, and it would have just slid right out, and everything would have been fine. He pulled that sucker through the hard way. He, he was panicking. It was an emergency. There was another zombie coming, and this guy wasn't a foot guy, I don't think. No, I, don't, I think he was a, he was a nose guy. He was <laughs> coming a, after his nose. Exactly. I think it's lucky that he fell down the hill and made that uh, the wound really, really big, or he wouldn't have been able to get that, uh, that bolt out through his, uh, his, his, his side... With the friggin' feathers and yeah. everything. It's nasty. It seemed like the wrong way to do it, but he gets it out, shoots that zombie in the head, and we get a really great shot of the zombie coming down with the arrow sticking up through his face. Yep. It was awesome. So we go to commercial, and when we come back, we're still with Daryl, and he's waking up again. I guess he passed out again after the zombie kills, or maybe from the pain of pulling that arrow out the wrong way. Maybe. Luckily, no more zombies came up. So he wraps his wound better this time, eats a raw squirrel. Well, yeah. Uh, okay, and then... I, I, you need squirrel liver. When you pull, when you have a hole in your side, you need yourself some squirrel liver. And then makes a necklace out of zombie ears. He sure does. 
a little bit of a strange scene. I mean, I he's uh, you know some people like to take souvenirs of their kill, and I why not the ear? Yeah, but why eat the raw squirrel? He's hungry. He needs the he needs the iron. That's why because he, he lost a lot of blood, right? So he needs uh, the extra iron to be able to move the oxygen through the little blood that he has left. So what do you do? You eat any liver you can get your hands on. He's got a squirrel in his hands. He's not gonna eat the zombie livers. You know, it doesn't have any cow livers that, uh, you know, have zombie in them. That's nasty, though. Why A squirrel. Like a, That's like eating a pigeon. It's fresh. I guess. It's fine. If you're going to eat something raw, eat it fresh. Don't leave it around for a couple of days and then go after it. You eat it right after uh, right after it's been killed. Well, I thought it was pretty nasty, but I it guess is pretty you've, nasty, but... you've got to do what you've got to do to survive. Um, after he does all this, he attempts to climb again, and look who shows up at the top of the hill but Merle, and uh, he continues to give him a hard time about being weak, which I guess he's there to do. This is, of course, this is, of course, Daryl's own thoughts coming out in the yeah. form of his brother. Kick off your high heels and climb the rest of the way up there. Uh, what do you call her? It was Daryl, Darlina? Darlina or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I have a clip of this scene, too. Kick off them damn high heels and climb, son. <laughs> you know what? If I were you, I'd take a pause for the cause, brother. Because I just don't think you're going to make it to the top. Come on. Come on, little brother. <laughs> Grab your friend Rick's hand. <gasps> Grab your friend Rick's hand. Interesting line. Uh, yep. One of the other things that Merle had been saying throughout this scene is trying to convince Daryl that he's not really one of these people. He's not like them. He's not, you know, he shouldn't be a part of this group. Yep. Uh, but he says, grab your friend Rick's hand. Interesting line there that I think we'll talk about a little bit more later in the program. I assumed at that point that Rick was going to be there and grab his hand and help him up. Oh, so, the, and the line was actually said by Rick. Yeah, that's a good, that would have been a good call, but nobody was there. Nobody was there. So it was actually... It actually was coming out of Merle's own brain. I mean, Daryl's own Darryl's brain. Daryl's own brain, yeah. yeah. His Merle brain. His Merle brain, exactly. Back at the farm, Lori and Carol are cooking dinner that they promised. Herschel is upset and questions Maggie about it. Uh, Herschel tells her that she couldn't, shouldn't get too close to Glenn because these people aren't going to be around forever. Right. And this is the scene where he also mentions about having to keep his eye on Beth and Jimmy. Mm-hmm. So I do think they're, uh, you know, at least... Boyfriend, girlfriend, or something. Okay, I, I looked her up, Emily uh, Kinney, but uh, can't find a birthday for her, but she does look a little older than uh, what I thought she was in the show. Yeah. All right. She looked 12. I thought she was like 12 years old. Well, I don't know. Farmer's daughter, she keeps her youth. <laughs> something like that. I don't know. Outside, Andrea's on the RV with a rifle, just keeping watch, and inside the RV, Glenn tells Dale that the women are all acting weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of an awkward scene, but this is Glenn, so he's always a bit awkward. Now, he almost reveals Lori's secret to Dale, but instead he tells him that he had sex with Maggie. Dale thinks this was an extremely bad idea. Probably. You know, what do you think her father would think about that? Then as Glenn's leaving, Andrea sees a a, a walker approaching in the distance. Sure looked like a walker anyway. Sure did, yeah. She can't see properly because of the glare it through the scope of the rifle, but she really wants to shoot it to prove that she can. And the glare through the binoculars, because she looked at binoculars too, and uh, the glare of the, uh, the sun flare mm-hmm. off of the binoculars, you know, simply putting your hand on top 
creating some kind of shield to prevent your prevent the glare would have cleared up this whole situation. You might not be able to do that while holding a rifle, but certainly while holding binoculars. Yeah, I mean, uh, she sure can uh, learn how to use a rifle, but she really needs to learn how to use binoculars. Practice with those binoculars. Yeah. So she's aiming the rifle at it, and the men all run out and discover that it's a severely wounded Daryl returning. And to be fair, he really, really did look like he a zombie. He really did. He was dragging the uh, uh, the crossbow, and he was stumbling, and he lost a lot of blood. He was in pain. He was dirty. Uh, he, you know, even when they said, "Is that Daryl?" They were still thinking, "Oh crap, he turned. He turned." And then we yeah. got to put him down. Yeah, exactly. He the, even the way he was standing, kind of just hunched over and stuff. He really looked to be in bad shape. Yeah. And I don't blame her for thinking it was a walker. But yeah, shielding the binoculars would have helped. Yeah. So at that point, Andrea takes her shot, grazes Daryl across the head. He goes down, and then we hear Rick screaming, no, no, and we go to commercial. <laughs> yep. So Andrea shot Daryl in the head. Yep. Just about. It happens. I guess a graze counts as a shot to the head, right? She hit him. No, not necessarily. Well, it, it, I think it's a miss. It's shot, a shot to the head is like brains flying all over okay. the place. The guy's dead, right? It's a near hit. Let's yeah, say that. It's, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, she shoots him, which is crazy. We go to commercial and we come back, find out that she just grazed him, and Glenn notices that he's, quote, wearing ears. Yep. <laughs> what happened to this guy? T-Dog also finds Sophia's doll that he brought back, so that's important. Inside, Shane makes it known again that he thinks this is all a waste of time searching for Sophia. Rick sees it the other way that other way now, though, uh, because the doll is the only evidence they have had of her, well, I guess other than the farmhouse. <laughs> right. Rick says this is the only concrete evidence they have because he brought it back. Didn't didn't she start in a creek, though? Like when, when Rick first took her and said and hit her in the creek yeah. and say, you know, if I'm not back in a little bit, go that way. Was that upstream or downstream from where they found it? Because if it was upstream, it was just like, oh, she took three steps, dropped the doll, and then here it ends up. You know, it's not really that much of a clue. Did she even have the doll when she ran off? I don't think so. So where did the doll come from? Okay, she no, got that's out, a little weird. She got out from under the car, no doll, as far as I remember, ran off, and suddenly the doll's in the creek, and they're all like, hey, doll. We got to go back and look. Yeah, we're going to go back and check that out, because I have a feeling that doll is one of those things. Did she have the doll? That's a very good question. Yeah, I don't know. You look into that. We'll update everyone next week. Um, so inside Rick sort of storms off. He's kind of pissed at, at Shane, but then Shane and Lori have a conversation about what Rick's doing. You keep telling yourself you're making the tough calls. You're really just trying to you know, justify. All I care about now in this world is you and Carl. So I apologize if I appear to be insensitive to the needs of others, but you see, I'll do whatever it takes to keep the two of you safe. Even abandoning a lost child. your problem anymore or your excuse so Lori there said in case you couldn't catch it even abandoning a lost child really yeah so she's with her husband here for sure but shane certainly sees what he's doing as the right thing just keeping people alive and safe doing whatever he can yep back outside andrea's sitting there kind of feeling bad about shooting daryl dale comes out and she says <laughs> i shot daryl and dale says don't be too hard on yourself we've always wanted we all wanted to shoot daryl it's true <laughs> So that's it. Uh, we go inside to Lori crying at Carl's bedside. Um, and then we cut to everyone having dinner. But the thing about the crying scene here, 
obviously she's just upset about everything that's going on. She's upset about being pregnant. She's upset that her son was injured so badly. But a thought occurred to me here. What if she was alone? What if she was kind of talking to Carl, thinking he's unconscious, can't hear her for whatever reason, and she revealed all her secrets to him? Sort of just give, you know, doing a little sort of self-therapy session, talking to someone about it right. who she thinks is unconscious. What if he wasn't unconscious, or what if he can hear her? Well, he usually he's not unconscious. He would be asleep, right? Okay, asleep. What if he's not, though? Like, kids lie there, you know, with their eyes closed all do, the time. Do you do that? Have you ever done that? Talk to your kids, assuming that they're asleep and revealing personal information that you don't want anybody else to know? No, but I, it's it's different. <laughs> I don't know. I've talked to my kids in their sleep a little bit, or at least I figured they were. But I just could see her sitting there kind of like saying all this stuff out loud to make herself feel better, right? And what if he's not, you know, maybe as asleep as she thought? That's an interesting theory, but I don't think she would do that because he's not unconscious. He's not... Uh, in a coma or anything right. like that. He's just asleep. And I don't think uh, that has the same power of, I can talk to this person because there's no way in hell they're going to hear me because they're asleep. And what if they wake up? I, you know, They can absolutely hear me. No, you're right. It doesn't have the same power as a, a power as if it was a coma. But it's still, I still see it could be a, a, a powerful moment for her, you know? I mean, right. it is her son. He almost died. They probably would have shown that. Yeah, you're probably right. They would have shown him roll over and open his eyes or something like that. Or her, at least her talking to him. Yeah. You're right. I just thought it would be an interesting, an interesting, you know, wrench to throw in right here. Yeah, why not? The more people, the better that know. So we go to everyone having dinner, this dinner that they've made for them. There's an adult's table and a kid's table, <laughs> if you notice. We had uh, <laughs> Beth, Jimmy, Maggie, and Glenn at the kid's table, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was funny. Maggie's the oldest. What is she doing at the kid's table? I guess she's still a kid. She's still the kid. You know, you're you're a kid until your parents are no longer eating with you. That's the way it works. So Glenn asks if anybody knows how to play guitar. And Patricia says, oh, Otis did. And it's really, really awkward yep. and, and upsetting for everyone. Uh, Maggie hands Glenn a note secretly asking for a hookup later, which is yeah. exciting for Glenn because he didn't think he was getting any more. Yeah. Glenn writes back, but we don't see his answer no, quite we yet. Don't. Not yet. Carol brings Daryl some dinner in bed and then kisses him on the head and thanks him for searching for Sophia. It's a nice moment between those two characters. I could see them developing a little bit of a relationship. Oh, absolutely. She says, you did more for my little girl today than her own daddy did when uh, her, his whole life. And she says, you're every bit as good, of that, as good as them, referring to Rick and Shane. Because, you know, Daryl's not feeling so hot about himself. It's true. Um, Maggie then reads Glenn's note as she's cleaning up and finds out he wants to do it in the barn, which she seems concerned about. Never do it in a hayloft. <laughs> That's right. We see Glenn entering the barn, and from up above on the second level, he finds that it is full of zombies. Barn full of zombies. Barn full of zombies. We knew this was coming, at least we did as comic readers, but it was probably a bit of a shock to anyone who uh, hasn't read the comic. Maggie runs up behind him and says, you weren't supposed to see this. And then we get a shot of the barn doors bulging against the chain, and the episode ends. It's going to be fun. So there you go. I looked uh, I looked at the faces of the zombies. I was looking for uh, Otis. I wanted to see if Otis was actually there. Oh. I didn't see Otis, but I saw somebody who looked like Kevin Bacon. Well, Kevin Bacon zombie, you know, he could be there. Yeah. I don't know. There were rumors of a Charlie Sheen zombie last year. That never, never happened. I never saw a Charlie Sheen zombie. <laughs> and no Otis zombie either, right? 
No, no, I didn't see it. No, I saw somebody that could have been an Otis zombie, but his hands were up covering his face. Right, so, right. I don't know. Okay. Well, there you have it. That is the episode. This is probably my favorite episode of season two. I really, really liked this one. You think so? Yeah. Uh, the last episode, Cherokee Rose, I was a little disappointed with. I felt like not a lot happened. I mean, even though it was still good, I just kind of felt like one of those episodes where the show really just ground to a halt. They didn't really do much. This one, for some reason to me, things were revealed. Um, it was exciting. We had some, we had a lot of, all the stuff with Daryl was great. It was sort of man versus nature, man versus man. All, all the, you know, the common storytelling right. tropes there. I thought it was really well done. Man versus machine with the, uh, the bolt through his side. I guess so. That's a yeah. machine. That's a machine. It's a simple machine, right? It's a very simple machine. Well, an arrow. No. A lever is a simple machine. Yeah. Or a lever. A how, lever. Do, how do we say that? Something good. Lever, lever. Lever, lever. All right. Um, but I just thought this was a really, really great episode. It's set up next week really well with this uh, barn full of zombies. Mm-hmm. And I really <clears throat> quite enjoyed this. This was, I liked the season two premiere quite a lot. This was my first or second favorite of this season so far out of five. Well, good. Have any thoughts on it before we move on? Uh, no, I'm good. Even though I think that Save the Last One is probably my favorite so far. Oh, yeah. That's it's a good choice, too. It's a good choice. Certainly some shocking moments Chupacabra, in that It was one. good, though. This... I do like the word chupacabra. It's fun to say. <laughs> hey, here's a question. Sure. The whole chupacabra thing with Daryl thinking he, he saw one at some point in his uh, life. Right. Had that ever been referenced in the show before? Uh, not before this episode. It was referenced twice. It was when they were at the beginning when they were planning. It was T Dog, right? Yeah, exactly. So this is something that they've talked about off camera, for yes. lack of a better way to describe it. Um, felt a little, I don't know, felt a little ham fisted to me to just sort of insert that in there. Yeah, I mean, it could have been, it could have come out before uh, Rick joined the party, right? Like while they were all on the roof with Merle and Daryl, and or maybe not on the roof, but at the camp. And T Dog was there, and everybody was talking about it. And Merle was teasing Daryl about the chupacabra thing. And well, it could, I can completely see this. It could have, you know, who knows what happened, but I didn't see the need to put it in there. Really, I mean, Merle, the the ghost of Merle, referenced it. You know, I'm as real as that chupacabra you saw. It, it kind of was used as as a way of adding to the relationship between Daryl and his brother. I think. Yep. You're just referencing something in their backstory or in their previous life. But I don't think it was even necessary, to be quite honest with you. And then they ended up titling the whole episode after it. So whatever. It, I, I'm not too worried about it. I still think this was a great, great episode. It was good. I would like to have seen a chupacabra in this episode. <laughs> yeah, an actual one. Or at least a lich of some kind. <laughs> Controlling all the zombies like a puppet. Every puppets. every podcast, are you going to bring up liches? No. <laughs> Just every other one. Or most of them. Whenever I feel like it. Okay. Well, um, our next segment is going to be next week on The Walking Dead. But just before that, uh, I want to talk about something really quickly. And it's not Audible this time. You'll notice that uh, we still have them, but we're not going to talk about Ottawa, Ottawa, Audible. Um, I want to mention Movember. And of course, as everyone knows, that is the fundraising campaign in the month of November where guys like me grow mustaches and try to raise money for um, men's health and prostate cancer. So... If you are out there and you know of anybody who is doing Movember, I highly recommend that you support them in this and take a couple of minutes and donate a few bucks to their cause. There you go. If you don't have anyone to donate to, I'm you know, happy to accept your donations, but I certainly don't expect that of anyone. 
Uh, if you wanted to go and check out my Movember profile, there'll be a link on talkingdeadpodcast.com. But really, find someone in your life that's doing this, and or do it yourself, and uh, just you know raise money and support research about prostate cancer and stuff like that. Excellent. There you go. All right. Now it's time for this. On the next episode of AMC's The Walking Dead. You please tell me why your dad has a secret barn full of walkers. Keep this to yourself. You have to. I imagine you'll be moving on soon. We have to fix this. I'll do whatever it takes. Now you're too damn emotional. Take all that guilt. Take that fear. Shut it down. Are you so sure about everyone in your group? I know what kind of man you are. So that was the trailer, the promo for next week on The Walking Dead. What's the title of the episode, Jason? Oh, geez. What, uh, where's, I lost my list. What's it called, Chris? Secrets. Secrets. It's called Secrets. <laughs> lots and lots of secrets. Where the hell are my notes? There they are. So secrets are told and secrets are revealed. Herschel refuses to acknowledge the world's new reality. Uh, Andrea comes out of her shell. Everyone is becoming more and more aware that everything is food for something. So that's the description from amctv.com, their it Walking is. Dead page. And I'd say for once, it's a better description. It's an actual sentence, which is nice. It's more than one sentence. It's and I think it describes in some way what happens in next week's episode instead of just recapping what happens in the one we just saw. Okay, so uh, if we look at the second sentence, everyone is becoming more and more aware that everything is food for something. Uh, what do you think that means? Do you think they're just becoming aware that you know people get eaten by zombies well they should know this already they, yeah you think they would have figured this part out you would think so um everyone's becoming everything is food for something well you think the the barn full of zombies is a source of food for herschel and his family and friends oh my god do you think herschel's eating zombies i don't know or or wow the recently deceased maybe they're cannibal they're engaging in cannibalism. I don't know. That would be pretty gross. We certainly know that living people are food for zombies. That's true. We know that, I don't know, cows are food for people. Yeah, chickens are food for people and wolves. And squirrels. <laughs> and squirrels are food for people. And Definitely. Wolves. So, I don't know. It does sort of have a weird implication to it, doesn't it? It does. I just I thought that was kind of weird. Yep. Like, why would, you know, then again... You know, based on the uh, the past track record of these descriptions, it probably could mean nothing. Oh yeah, it could be just a phrase that some pr uh, promo writer just threw out there because it sounded cool. Yeah, all, I don't know. All that lives must die. Oh, that's genius! <laughs> <laughs> How did you ever come up with that? Yeah. So it's written by uh, Andrea Kang and directed by David Boyd. It's written by Angela Kang. Angela Kang, and David Boyd. Um, now secrets. This is. You know, the first sentence of that description, secrets are told and secrets are revealed. Uh, kind, kind of re redundant. Kind redundant. of redundant. Yeah. <laughs> Just like us saying it at the same time. That's right. Um, this has got to be the episode where the pregnancy and or Jenner secret comes out. Right. We're going to find out something here. I would I would agree with that. I think that that's, uh, that's probably going to happen. We're going to find out what's going on with that secret. And everybody's going to find out that uh, Lori is pregnant. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's If they dragged it out any longer, this would really kind of counter Kirkman saying, no, 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 we're going to get to it pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, this will be episode six, only one more episode before the Christmas hiatus, and there's no way they're going to make us wait over the break. That's I'm saying that right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to find out the, the secret of the barn. 
That's true, too. Herschel's going to find out that uh, his daughter had sex with Glenn. My God, the secrets come fast and furious, don't they? He's going to find the condoms. And there'll only be three left. (laughs) And it's only been one day. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Do we think that the never-ending search for Sophia will be wrapped up in the next episode? No. They're going to draw that out to episode seven? It's the first thing that happened in the the whole season, and it's going to be the last thing we find out before the break. I think you may be right. She's going to show up. She's going to be the governor. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> she's going to have an eye patch in one hand, and she's going to have Daryl or uh, she's going to have Merle on a leash. That would be crazy. <laughs> it really would. It would be a departure, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's everyone I've talked to, and I feel the same way, but this whole Sophia thing is being dragged out way too long. It, it is. You know, they are finally getting through some other stuff, but I, I, I don't know. It just feels... Re- ridiculous to have this go on and on forever i agree with the fact that uh, she is the reason they found herschel's farm through looking for her that's how they found the farm but they don't need her as the reason to stay at the farm no they could have found her and they're just staying there and they're not leaving and that could add to the tension between uh, the group and herschel because herschel doesn't want him to stick around he wants them to move on yeah right so if they found her that tension would be more palpable i mean why why couldn't she have just been at the farm? You know, she showed up six hours before, before uh, Rick, before Carl got shot. You know, they, they, you would think that if a, a little girl wandering around by herself showed up, Herschel and everyone would have been at the farm and been like, what's going on? Why are you by yourself? Maybe she's a zombie in the barn. Oh, maybe she's a zombie in the barn. That'd be crazy. That would be a, that would be awesome. That would be a departure, but uh, that would be uh, really creepy. And But I like it. Yeah, I like, I it, like too. it. If we're gonna come up with a uh, nut job theory for the next episode, I'm going with Sophia is a zombie in the barn. No, nah, for nut job, I'm going with Sophia as the governor. Okay, that's total nut job. For partial nut job, yeah, zombie in the barn. She shows up in uh, season four as Michonne. <laughs> she comes back years later. <laughs> I've changed my name to Michonne. She's a grown woman and she's trailing zombie. Yeah, she knows how to use a samurai sword. <laughs> Where'd you find that? Uh, it was stuck in a tree back there. It was in a tree. I found it on the ground. <laughs> Zombie in the barn. I'm sticking with okay. it. All I right. like that theory. I can't believe I didn't think of that before. Well, there you go. It's a good thing you're here. Okay, everyone. Last segment of the show is going to be this. Holy crap. Did you see that? All righty. Let's start off with our weekly call from Dave on his holy crap. Did you see that moment? Hey, you dirt holes, that's Dave calling for, uh, holy crap, did you see that? I think I'm going to need some help from the studio audience. I can't be calling you guys every week. But, uh, you know, love talking to you guys. Maybe you call me back every once in a while. Lonely on this end of the phone. Anyway, um, holy crap, did you see that moment? Uh, just as a fan of the comics, and I don't know if it meant something or if it meant nothing, but there was a time when Merle leans down to help Daryl, and you just see sort of that <clears throat> that intense focus on his hand, and he says, come on, take the hand of your buddy Rick. Uh, I don't know if it means nothing or if it's referring to something else, but uh, that was a big moment for me. Anyway, love the show. I listen every week. Bye. Shirt holes. Uh, so Rick's moment is the, I mean, uh, Dave's, Dave's moment, moment is the line when, Merle references Rick about taking Rick's hand. Now, 
I want to talk about this for a minute just before we get to a couple other listener choices. Dave and I were chatting earlier today. Okay. And he uh, he came up with an idea or a theory here that near nearly blew my mind. Okay. He said, what if we were witnessing the birth, and this were his words, of the governor in this scene? He suggested that Daryl becomes the governor, not Merle. Think about it. The governor is one in the comic who is responsible for chopping off Rick's hand. That's true. And the line was, take your buddy Rick's hand, or whatever it was exactly. Take your friend Rick's hand. That's true. Merle is, or Daryl is starting to lose it a little bit in this scene. You know, he's feeling like he doesn't fit in. He's feeling like he doesn't belong there, and he's, you know, not really part of the group. I think Dave had an interesting point here. That is a good point. That's a, a very interesting double entendre. It really is. I could see Daryl at some point, you know, moving on from these people and, and leaving and establishing himself somewhere else and then coming back into the story as our favorite villain. I, I'm just in my brain drawing parallels between uh, Daryl and Merle and Sophia and the uh, the main characters in the rise of the governor mm-hmm. and i'm just uh, mentally drawing uh, connecting lines it's a very interesting theory there are some there are some very strong connections there, there to that are, yeah. to that novel uh now the novel is supposed to be canon in both in that's the only thing that's uh we need to talk about this when we during the the um hiatus over the holidays we're going to do a podcast about rise of the governor the book so if anyone is halfway through it finish it so you can listen and we won't spoil anything there's some problems with the book being canon to both that we can talk about then. Okay. Um, in my opinion, at this point, the book is only canon with the TV show. So... So far. So far, yeah. But that being the case, it would be impossible, I would think, for Merle to be... Um, uh, for Daryl to become the governor. I mean, maybe not totally impossible, but I think some things have happened that don't quite line up. Right. However, that aside, which we can talk about in a future episode... I think this is a really, really interesting theory here. And that line, I mean, it, it would make me really, really happy if the writers and the people producing this show actually were thinking on that grander scale and that far ahead when writing a, a line like that. Because that line did seem a little out of place because it, it set me up to think that uh, Rick was there and was going to grab Daryl's hand to help him up that last little bit on the ridge. Mm-hmm. Right, so that's you know take your buddy Rick's hand, and then the hand comes up. His hand comes with the right hand, the hand that uh, you know uh, Merle got cut off, uh, comes up and slams onto the the top of the the cliff. Mm-hmm. And I was just expecting Rick to help pull him up at that point. Yeah, because of that line. Like, what what were you, what what does that line mean? You know, take his hand and uh, you know go skipping through the forest, shooting squirrels. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of possibility there, and I think. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it right here. I think Dave is a genius for coming up with this because it hadn't occurred to me until uh, until he said it earlier. It's very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. interesting. So before our choices, uh, we got a couple of emails from listeners. Lee from No Location, he sent in a bunch of holy crap. Did you see that oh, moment? Geez, he's going to steal mine. No, I chose one. Okay. I chose one of, of his list, and it is simply Andrea shooting Daryl, uh, which does not help to encourage his feeling as an outcast. Interesting point there. Um, and, uh, and that's it. Daryl, Andrea shooting Daryl. <laughs> All right. So yeah, no, I, and I fully admit like you don't really think she's actually going to pull that trigger, but then she does and nearly shoots him between the eyes. So 
it's definitely holy crap did you see that yeah no kidding Eric from Indiana wrote in, my holy crap, did you see that moment has to be when Daryl brought down that branch into the Walker's grill and then finished him up by smashing his dome. (laughs) He went medieval on his ass. He sure did. It was pretty cool. He just took that branch and just cross-checked him right in the face and then stuck it right through. So that was a good choice. Very ouch. A very ouch choice. Um, What's yours? My holy crap, did you see that moment is a little bit more of a... It's a funny one. It's almost a, a production and or editing choice. Okay. Week. It's not so much a scene, but it is when uh, uh, Daryl initially falls down off the horse. I think it's when he falls off the horse and he's sliding down the cliff into the gully where the water is. Yep. There's a shot, basically a, a Daryl cam. There's a shot where you see kind of hit from his perspective sliding down the hill. It's yeah. like the camera's strapped to him and it's going down the hill with him cool i thought that was a really cool shot and it might have been missed by a lot of people if you weren't watching for it but i kind of went holy crap strapped a (laughs) camera to the guy or something and rolled it down a hill we still haven't had a shamble cam no we haven't had a zombie perspective cam that's right that'd be pretty cool that's right it's been done but it'd be pretty neat to just have for a quick shot yeah totally just get the zombie perspective so anyways, if you missed it, Daryl had a camera strapped to him or something as it fell down the hill, and I thought that was pretty cool. That's pretty interesting. So what's yours? So my holy crap, did you see that moment, is uh, when uh, Daryl shows up after he's been shot, and they notice that he has uh, a bunch of ears on a necklace, uh-huh. and then Rick tugs all the ears off and puts them in his shirt. Yeah. No one <laughs> needs to see this. <laughs> well, I, I thought at first, the first time I watched this, I thought he just tugged them off and threw them away. Right. Like, that's gross. What's the matter with you? But he tugged them off. It looks like he threw them away, but then he tucked them into his shirt. It, so, it is a strange choice, you know? So those ears, they're still kicking around, and uh, Daryl's going to want his zombie ears back. <laughs> He's starting a collection. He's going to have this big string of squirrels and a big string of zombie ears, because that's what he hunts. A belt of squirrels and a bandolier of zombie ears or that, something <laughs> is a bandolier the one you put around your shoulder one shoulder yeah that's uh, that's what chewbacca has he has a bandolier that's right so, so he, one of those is zombie ears no i think the bandolier will be of squirrels okay he had the bandolier of squirrels in the first season <laughs> he had more of a, a fish stringer yeah, of squirrels but he had he? it wrapped over his shoulder though, okay. at one point and then uh, <laughs> i think that either he'll have a necklace of zombie ears or he'll make a nice big zombie ear headdress <laughs> A big hat. A big hat that <laughs> flows down like really long hair, and it's all finely interwoven zombie ears. Sounds like a lot of work and really disgusting. He's got some time. He needs more uh, crossbow bolts. He's only got that one bolt left, and it's already been through him once. That's the last one? It's the only one he has. That's why he had to pull it out uh, out of his uh, his belly, because he had to put it in there to shoot the thing. And he's only got the one bolt left. That makes a lot of sense. He's no, he's screwed. He needs more arrows. Yeah, he's got to go to a hardware store and find some crossbow bolts for <laughs> sure. I don't know. Maybe in Atlanta or Georgia, those are easier to come by. But up here, I wouldn't know where the hell to go. Well, you go to any, uh, yeah, you can get them at like hunting stores. <laughs> Same place you buy guns. I can't list a hunting store except for one. It's Von too Mill far Mall. away. Von, Mill Falls, Von Mills Mall will have one. And there's also one at uh, Highway 7 and Woodbine. All right. Well, there you go. Now that everyone knows exactly where to go to get hunting stuff in the gta there's a there was oh it's it's gone now there was a an army surplus store at uh, young and wellesley that uh, had crossbows but there they closed down all right i think that's a little bit too much inside baseball for most people sure but hey that's it so if you have a holy crap did you see that moment from the last episode or really any episode of the walking dead send it in to us and we will read it on the air we want to collect a bunch of these 
Jason, I think that's going to do it for this week's podcast. I agree with you, Christopher. If you would like to contact us, please do so at one 483 zomb That's 9662. It's a toll-free call. You can send all questions, comments, or anything you have to that. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash talkingdead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. There's been a fair bit of activity over on Facebook lately, so you can join some of the conversations there. You can also comment on this episode or any other one at talkingdeadpodcast.com. There's lots of good uh, comments there. And finally, if you want to email us, you can do so at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And with that, for The Talking Dead, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And we will see you next week when we cover secrets. Bye.